Welcome to True To You Radio, your home for wealth, wisdom, wonder, and welcoming. TrueToYouRadio.com Thanks for listening. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we explore and learn what it means to live from your heart, not your head. And for those of you not quite familiar with heart dancing, it's a process of unlearning the world's messages and remembering your authentic self. When you start listening to the world's definition of happiness and success, at some point you may realize that you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. There's always going to be something more to strive for or obtain. Heart dancing is a different way of looking at your world and looking at yourself. It's a way to return to your soul, the source of unconditional love. And the heart dancing mantra is, let love lead. And you'll understand more about that as you join me in the dance. Love knows the way. You just have to follow. Heart dancing. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we explore what it means to create deliberately, live with love, and dance with life. Today, I have an extra special guest, Renata Donovan. She is a coach extraordinaire and has so much more to offer that I want her to explain. If you could, uh, Renata, what, what do you do for people? How do you help people? I help people in quite a few different ways, and ultimately, I help them move past whatever those major blocks are, and I do that a lot through hypnosis and NLP and really tapping into the other-than-conscious mind where all of our genius and wonderful stuff is stored and helping them pull that out and then live it to their fullest potential. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So the other-than-conscious mind, what, what are you referring to? Well, if you think about the iceberg, it's an analogy that's been used for the mind for quite a long time. There's just a very small amount of the iceberg that floats above the water. And a good 90% of the iceberg is below the waterline. And so the conscious mind, the part of the mind we're aware of, is like the top of that iceberg. And then the 90% of the stuff is running outside of awareness, kind of buried in the background. And that's subconscious mind or other than conscious mind. And I love the iceberg analogy because the Titanic was sunk by the part of the iceberg that was below the water, and we get sunk by our unconscious minds or other than conscious mind all the time. Yes. And when you say we get sunk by the other than conscious mind, are you referring to um, habitual stories or habitual programming that seems to trip us up when we least expect it? Absolutely. The, and it's also patterns that get kind of locked in, the beliefs that get blocked in. Uh, there's quite a few different ways it can trip us up. But unfortunately, once that part of the mind believes something, it runs that program out indefinitely until it's deliberately 
changed. And so we don't even know that it's there operating usually most of the time. Most of what's going on in that iceberg encodes before age five. And then it just gets added to and expanded upon and, and adjusted. But if you think about your life before age five, how much of it do you remember? I remember quite a bit. But how, what, how do you know it's age five and not seven, eight, or ten? There's a part of the mind that create called the, and it has a several different names, and so it just depends on which researcher you're reading. Uh, it's called the critical zone, the critical faculty, the critical mind, and there's a fourth one. But and they all agree it's critical, but they can't decide whether it's a zone, a faculty, an area, or a mind. But that part of the mind doesn't form until between ages five to eight. And that's the part of the mind that kind of starts to filter and, and make decisions about whether or not we're going to accept uh, messages that come in. So unfortunately, prior to age five, everything that goes into the unconscious locks in, um, usually without any kind of filter on it. And if you want an anonymous statement, Hitler actually was known to have said, give me your children and what I do by age seven, you will never undo. And, mm. Uh, mm. And, and before hypnosis and NLP, that was true. But now we can use those tools to change all that early encoding. So it's quite wonderful news. Yes. And you just anticipated my next question. Are we, are we hosed if we had a horrible childhood from zero to age five? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what kind of action you take around that. Unfortunately, there is a lot more trauma research coming out now showing the connection between early life trauma and uh, illness and problems later in life, including uh, Holocaust survivors who are showing PTSD in the unborn children. So the children who were of the Holocaust survivors who were not even conceived time they're being born with trauma responses and PTSD type symptoms so there is I think all the more way that we can go back and do those forms of healing and cleaning up and disconnection are just become that much more important with the, the research that's coming out to show the link between early childhood and early life trauma and illness later in life Yes, well, that is so helpful and hopeful, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, because I know, you know, and you do too, run, you run into people that may have had a horrible childhood or something traumatic happened, and if they can't ever get past that, how do you maintain hope? But what you're saying is you can get past us that, and I'm hoping you're going to share that with us today. Absolutely. And there's lots of ways that we can get past it. One of the things Bruce Lipton's uh, biology of belief and a few other folks like Bruce Lipton talked about is that even if you have a, pre a genetic predisposition, that genetic predisposition has to be activated and has to be activated by the the environment. And so if the internal environment in our system and our body can activate it, then theoretically we can do all of this work and, and disconnect it. And there's no shortage of wonderful healing stories of people that have been able to do exactly that with cancer or MS or just long time heart problems, etc. So it's very exciting. Yes. And actually you have a personal story along those same lines, don't you? I do. In fact, when I was in my early 20s, um, you 
pretty much the effect of early childhood trauma, I would suspect. I suffered with clinical depression so severely I could not lift the chairs around my dining room table. It's extremely weak. I really could not hold a job in any capacity. And at the time, the medical model just was not working in any way for me. Um, my system does not respond well to antidepressants and um, talk therapy. I felt better in the moment, but it didn't actually make substantial change. And, and that actually, in some ways, was a good thing because it sent me on a journey to find hypnosis and NLP and yoga and quite a number of things that are now actually being recognized as evidence-based therapy. Mindfulness practices, they're all, all part of accessing that other than conscious mind. Ironically, even coloring, I love the coloring craze. Mm -hmm. In fact, I do uh, teach some workshops on, on hypno-doodling hypno and hypno-coloring because the state that we go into when we color is very much very similar to the hypnotic state and it accesses the unconscious mind. And you can actually color positive affirmations and do a level of starting to re-imprint the mind in a new direction. So it led me to finding all of these wonderful things that are now showing more and more proof and brain science around them. So. Right. And I've noticed a, a huge rise in just general media around mindfulness and meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, Time Magazine, I think, has an article or the cover with a, a whole uh, focus on mindfulness. So, but you were at the beginning. You started this how long ago? I don't really want to tell you that. <laughs> Over 25 years ago. And, okay. and what's exciting is some of the other research is showing that the brain state that hypnosis creates is the same brain state created in meditation and mindfulness practices and prayer and spiritual contemplation. And it's that state that allows us to access the other than conscious mind and connect with the body's natural ability to heal. So it also connects with the body's natural ability to mess us up. So it's, it's really important when we're in those states that we're really conscious or, or really deliberately putting the positive messages that we want more of, that we're, we're thinking about that dancing with life, that connecting with what we want more of, all the things that you talk about in your work. Keeping those forward when we enter those states is, is really crucial. Yes, but what you're saying is we have the power to make that choice. We do. And, you know, there's this incredible thing called the placebo effect. And one of the things that uh, they've shown around medications with the placebo effect is that some, the placebo effect is when people got better taking a medication that was really a sugar pill, but just thinking that the pill was going to help them actually caused the um, improvement. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it completely demonstrates how powerful our mind is. And in many pharmaceutical trials, the placebo outperforms the pharmaceutical. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's and that's ultimately what uh, hypnosis and NLP do is they connect with that part of our mind and they create the suggestion, you're getting well, it's going in this direction, I'm getting more of these positive things. And then the body begins to act it out just like it does in a placebo effect. So it, we have such powerful minds. And when we, when we use them effectively, we really can over, we can achieve the most remar remar remarkable things. Trying to, I was trying to combine 
Um, miraculous. Yes, miraculous and remarkable. <laughs> miraculous. Yeah, there is a word there probably with those two, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. Well, I totally agree with you that the mind is so powerful. And I think that's part of this whole movement that we're seeing now in the public and the general media, that people hopefully are waking up to that and understanding that if you don't like something and there's something in your past that keeps repeating, there are ways, techniques to move that forward, change it, heal it. So I know that's the space you like to play in, correct? It is. And, and an example I, I often use, and I am not a stage hypnotist, I'm a therapeutic hypnotist, and I have a I have a love-hate relationship with stage hypnotists. They sometimes do incredible damage to my industry. But mm. one of my colleagues who is actually quite a brilliant stage hypnotist, he does this routine where he takes his belt off and he transforms the belt into a snake. And all the people up on the stage, of course, are jumping at this viper that's trying to you know, attack them and strike at them and, and bite them. And it, it, in some ways, it's quite humorous when they pick up chairs trying to, to back this snake off of them and things like that. But then at the end of that piece, you know, he takes them out of that, that state and they see the belt again. And what I thought when I saw him do that routine the first time, I thought, oh my goodness, how many times in life do we make a snake out of a belt? Mm-hmm. And it really just is our perception that creates it, uh, that reality. And, and ultimately, that's what a stage hypnotist does, is they temporarily induce a limiting belief. You cannot move your foot. You see a snake on the floor, your, uh, whatever it is. And there's so many ways in life that our blocks and our negative setbacks and our perceptions are nothing more than or as simple to remove as just saying, you know, you can move your foot now. Yes, yes. And you have just hit on what I teach, which is based on Henry David Thoreau's quote, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what you see is your perspective. And if you have the limiting stories, uh, you know, adapting or modifying or changing your perspective, you're going to look at the same object, but see something different than the person standing next to you. Absolutely. And I saw a great illustration of that on Facebook, uh, where one person is standing on one side of the six and the other person is standing at the, on the, I guess, top or the bottom. So from one person's view, it's a nine. And from the other person's view, it's the six. Uh-huh. And uh, they're both right. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So there's all kinds of examples like that. Well, you've mentioned hypnosis several times. Mm-hmm. How did you come into being a hypnotist and what kind of training did you have and how does that help your clients? How did I get introduced in hypnosis? I'm trying to remember. It was a while ago now. I think it was a progression as I began looking at more and more spiritually oriented things like yoga and things around how our thoughts create reality. And I, and I actually found when I began that the transformational and personal development field did far more to support and help me than traditional counseling had because it was all looking at our limiting beliefs and what have we got stuck in and who did we, whose belief did we buy into anyway? Was Mm -hmm. this actually the reality of the truth or was that someone else's perception? And we just, we bought in or succumbed or uh, gave into, 
into the peer pressure or whatever it was. And so as I began working more and more with limiting beliefs and the power of the mind, that led me eventually to hypnosis because it's one of the most powerful and direct ways. <clears throat> if we, well, in fact, the mantra in hypnosis is, if you can name it, that ain't it. Because the problem is rarely ever in the conscious mind, it's in the subconscious or other than conscious mind. So if we can say, hey, this is my problem, that's probably not the problem. The problem is more deeply buried. And what a lot of talk therapy does is it stays in that 10% of the iceberg. And if you have a really great counselor, you might get a little bit below the waterline. But in hypnosis, we go right down into the bottom of that iceberg, we find out where it first encoded, we disconnect it, and then there's a, almost a dominoing effect of where it disconnects everywhere else. And it's so much faster. And it's, it's just a wonderful, relaxing experience. So that's what led me there. Mm -hmm. uh, my training is odd, even for hypnosis. In that I have a lot of personal growth and, growth and development training, um, similar, not necessarily the same teachers, but similar kinds of ideas to your own training. My master's is in transformational leadership and transformational processes and how do we create systemic change and transformation in a human being. I have four coaching designations, including transformational coaching designations. And then I added hypnosis uh, and neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, to the, the repertoire. So, And where I live, the laws around psychotherapy have begun to change. And so in addition to all of that, uh, I'm in back in doing a second master's in in counseling psychology uh, so I can keep I can add a an additional designation to my wall so you have yeah you have the alphabet soup after your name I guess I do yeah I, do. I have a lot of a lot of training <laughs> well I, I believe that the audience is familiar with NLP but in case there is someone listening who's never heard those initials or, or don't understand or know what neuro-linguistic programming is could you give us just a quick de definition or explanation I can. It, the letters themselves, neuro is the brain, linguistic is language, and so programming, it's really how language transforms and structures the brain. I think language, though, thinking of it as purely a spoken word, like we're doing, is a limitation because I also think it's how pictures and other sensations and experiences and memories also form the brain, so, which are types of language. Mm -hmm. so to speak. And it's also the study of excellence of what, uh, how we change and transform and habit form. So mm -hmm. that would be a simple, and its roots actually are in Erickson hypnosis and Virginia Satir's family therapy model, which, uh, so it has it really almost opposite work in many ways that they did. And they've brought it together and made this this beautiful body of knowledge around how to create change. And are there techniques or is there something simple you could share with the audience right now that would get them more interested and of course want them to look you up? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to where they can find you in just a minute. Oh, an NLP technique. Um, yes. I usually I do a visualization to get a sense of how your mind works. So let's do that one really quickly first, and then uh, we'll play with the making a, 
a change just to, we might need slightly more time for the change one than we might have so the best example of how or why this all works is if everyone listening can just get as comfortable as possible and if they're comfortable close their eyes and just imagine yourself in a kitchen and this can be a kitchen that you know or a kitchen you'd like to have and I'll ask you to just go over to the fridge and open the fridge and on the top shelf of the fridge you'll notice a lemon and if you can just pick up the lemon and notice the coolness of the skin and bring it up to your nose and smell it and see what you can smell and feel the bumps in the skin of the lemon. Maybe you hear the sound of the refrigerator, the fan or the squeak of the door when you move it. And then just close the refrigerator door and on the counter nearby, you'll notice that there is a cutting board and a knife. And I'll ask you to just cut that lemon into quarters and however you wanna do that is just perfect. And maybe you notice the juice squirting and you can smell the lemon or you hear the bang of the knife on the cutting board. And then whichever quarter that you like most, if you can pick that up and bring it to your mouth and take a big juicy bite of the lemon. And then just when you're ready, kind of come back into the room, into your body and, and open your eyes. And uh, so I'll ask you, which, which was more, did, did you do the best with? Hearing things, smelling, feeling, tasting? Well, for me, since I'm the other one on the other end of this conversation, <laughs> um, it was seeing. Seeing? Yeah, I could actually see the lemon, you know, see it sitting on the shelf, see the kind of glistening of the skin and the dimples. And, and then you, 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 you could feel it, though, too. So, hmm. so, and usually when we do this, everybody who does it usually uh, has some experience. Some people taste more, some people feel, some people hear, uh, some people see, just we all have uh, developed differently, usually depending on our, our style preferences. But so you had an experience mm -hmm. of an imagined lemon. Mm -hmm. So there was no lemon. And yet you had a real physiological five senses type tangible experience of an imagined lemon. So that is really ultimately how it all works is when we imagine whether it's positive or it's negative, it, the, the mind cannot tell the difference and it creates a real life physiological experience of whatever's been imagined. And so it's really crucial that we use that powerful capacity in our mind for the positive side that we want more of. And because if it gets hijacked, then we can, we can be quite disastrous if it goes that way. Mm -hmm. So some of, of, of what we do is we work with that real life experience and we tap into it so that the body knows that that is the truth now and then begins to move in that, in that direction. So a simple one, and it's how, how effective it will be in the couple of moments in that we're going to do it right now i'm not sure for folks however it's simple enough that you can keep doing it and if you keep doing it it will hold so in fact i encourage you if you're working on a particular goal or a particular dream to uh, do this regularly several times a day 
Okay. And so the first part, we're going to basically use all the same faculties we did with the lemon, except I'd like you to um, think about a goal or a dream that you really want to pursue. And it, it could be a habit you want to change, but you want to, you want to think of the new thing that you want. So what you want more of your goal or your dream. So just give me a sense of kind of when you have it. Mm-hmm. I have it. <laughs> so when you think of that, do you have a picture? Yes. So just notice where that picture is around your body and the color, the brightness, if it's framed, if it's not framed, if there's any feelings or sensations or sounds or smells or anything that goes with that picture. And then just sort of, this is where we're going to multitask the mind, just sort of leave that picture there. And then think of something in your life that is just a foregone conclusion. So it might be something that you just know that you do every day, a habit that's ingrained. It could be something like brushing your teeth. You just get up and you do it without thinking. It's just, it's just a given that it's going to happen in your life. And when you have that given, uh, do you have a picture? Mm-hmm. Okay, so just notice where that picture, its location, its color, its brightness, and kind of hold them so that you can see both pictures simultaneously. Okay. And then in a moment, I'm going to say one, two, three, click. And when I say click, I want you to like click your eyes like they're a camera click or some kind of button that you're clicking and flip the pictures. And when you reverse the pictures, you want to shift them so that the colors change, the smells change, the location changes, everything sort of flips. So one, two, three, click. So that what you want is now in the position of the foregone conclusion with all the same brightness, smells, tastes, touches, frames. Mm. And then just when you're, when that's done, just kind of come back down into your body and open your eyes. And for any, anybody who's really good at meditation and uh, any kind of spiritual work or energy work, I always add before I do anything, come back down into your body and open your eyes. Because folks who are really good at that kind of work often can stay sort of out of their bodies. Uh, and so just, if, you may want to add that in when you do your own visualization, come down into my body, then open my eyes. And it's, uh, it's interesting what a difference that makes. Right, right. Well, that's really great. Well, I hope everyone listening will practice that. I know I will because I've got a very specific goal I'm working on right now, and I would love to move it to that foregone conclusion. <laughs> well, and just a, a quick question, which is how does it feel different now that you've flipped them? Um, actually, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, well, I'll tell you real quickly, I've got a new book out and I've started to share it and tell people about it and I'm real excited about it. And I pictured the cover and moved it to the foregone conclusion, which was my toothbrush. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to get in front of a lot of people. Huh. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, so we are kind of out of time, but I know you have an exciting event coming up on October 1st. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, it ties into one of our mutual favorite things, which is possibility thinking. Yes. And when I was struggling with that depression, probably the number one tool that got me out of depression was possibility thinking, just even considering the possibility that could be different. And so this will be my third annual possibility thinking challenge. It's the 30-day possibility challenge, and the website is 30daypossibilitychallenge.com, 30 being three zero. 30daypossibilitychallenge.com and if folks who go there they can sign up they do have to click on the confirmation we have spam laws in my area and if you don't click on the confirmation due to those spam laws you can't be added to the list so if you'd like to join us for the month of October for wonderful possibilities and more possibility thinking it's 30daypossibilitychallenge.com Okay, and is that going to get them on an email list? Is that a Facebook group? How does that work? That is, uh, where I live, we have pretty strict spam laws, so that gets them onto the 30-day challenge mailing list only. Okay. There is a Facebook group that goes with that, but there's, there's additional links. It will actually take you to a page on my main website, and so my regular newsletter is under the free stuff tab. There's a free stuff tab, and that tab has some other interviews. It has those coloring sheets that I talked about. It has a number of practices. It has a free hypnosis download, and you can sign up for the newsletter there, and so that'll get you on all the mailing lists if you go to the free stuff tab. And in Enjoy everything that's there. Oh, that's awesome. And we have not, I haven't done my job. I haven't asked you what your uh, main uh, website is. Main website, I'm, I'm in the process of rebranding. You know that, Gay. Yes. So the, it hasn't completed yet. But if folks go to Emerge to Success, to being T-O, so EmergeTOSuccess.com, that will redirect to the main website, which currently is Emergence Hypnotherapy, but will eventually be transitioned over to Emerge to Success. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes as well, so it makes it easy to find. Yeah, so great. Well, I am so excited for this 30-day possibility challenge. Uh, if you've done this for three years, I know you've touched a lot of lives, and um, hopefully people hearing this broadcast will say, you know, that's for me, and I really liked what she had to say. Let's hear more of it. So I invite everyone listening to join uh, Renata on that. Um, are there any parting words of wisdom you'd like to leave uh, our audience with? Everyone is more powerful than they believe. And if you're having those moments where you're thinking, what can I do? I encourage you to just embrace the possibilities uh, because your mind can open doors and possibility thinking can open doors that you never imagined. There, there is beauty in there of large amounts. And one of my favorite Einstein quotes is, everyone has genius. But if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its life thinking it's stupid. So embrace the fish you are and your own natural brilliance rather than looking outside of you to what others think. Yes, thank you so much. That's just beautiful. And I can't help but add to that because you started with a water analogy and you ended with the fish. <laughs> <laughs> that as you discover that you are a fish and you are powerful, go down below the surface. There's a lot to discover and there's a lot to uncover. And as you heal, it makes you that much more powerful, more aware, and more creative. 
So thank you, Renata. I just love this conversation. I wish we had more time. But if everyone could um, sign up for the 30-day possibility challenge and also go to immerse2success.com, there's a lot of free information that she gladly shares with you. Did you want to add one other thing before we close? I think that covers it. It was wonderful. Thank you for having me here. Yes, thank you. Everyone, you've been listening to the Heart Dancing Radio Show. I hope this has helped you uh, brighten your day giving you some new ideas and tips on how to visualize and how to move forward towards what you, what your heart most desires. We have uh, been here and I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us. Thank you again and be well. You've been listening to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we learn to dance with our hearts, not our heads. And remember, you're now part of the tribe. Be sure and tell your friends about the magic that happens here. Uh, Heart dancing, it's the only way to live. 